time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 48 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them, too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is hazelnut. Hazelnut is really good. It's good. Staple and the best. You don't <laughs> go wrong with it. So how are you doing today? Great. How about you? I'm hanging in. Good, good, good. We're good. We're recording on a little bit of a different day, Mm -hmm. but... We've been so busy lately. We've been really busy. We're taking advantage of the mini helper being in little school. Right, (laughs) right. So we're able to record on some other days, Mm -hmm. which actually frees us up to do some other stuff. It does, yeah. We're pretty excited because we just booked our first road trip for the show. Right. We're going to be doing a different theme each year for Christmas. We just finalized the travel arrangements for this year's Christmas episode. We're going to keep it hush hush. We're going to keep it a secret. Okay. Yeah, but we're so excited. The girls are coming with us. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. going to be a girl's chicken trip. Yeah, that's great. We're excited. It'll be fun. When you book the room, you know it's real. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yep. Now I just have to luck in a farm sitter. (laughs) Yeah. That ought to be fun. (laughs) Details. So now, right now, we're working on Halloween over here. Ella's costume is ordered. She's nice. going to be Robin. Okay, perfect. From Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be happy. Hopefully everything goes well. We'll be having the block party, of course. Right. The annual block party at our house. Right. <laughs> and then all the kids go trick-or-treating on the hay ride. Sounds good. Yeah, they love it. Because the houses are so far apart in the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yeah. The little kids, they could never make that walk. Pete and I stay home on Halloween and we watch movies. Oh, yeah. And our place is always dark that we never get any trick-or-treaters and that's okay. They're like, it's too spooky there. That's right. We're not going up to the spooky house. Any kid that walks up is like, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's true. They might set off the rooster alarm. It's very possible. There are enough of them around now. We have eight roosters. I keep saying we have seven. We have eight roosters now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I'm excited about Halloween. I've just got to get everybody set, mm-hmm. get everything planned, mm-hmm. and then I can kind of sit back and enjoy it. And then we go right into the holidays. I'm already on to Thanksgiving, testing recipes for upcoming episodes, that sort of thing. I've always liked Halloween, but Halloween, when you have the kids, it's like a must. I like it too. I'm just glad I don't have to do all the things you're doing. Part of me was like, maybe I should dress up as Joyce from Stranger Things. Well, okay, that's hilarious. You should. I really like that. <laughs> Put some Christmas lights around me. Yeah, I love it. I love that idea. Get the crazy eyes going. Perfect. <laughs> it would be awesome. So what's new on your end? I'm starting to work on a couple more upcoming articles on wool. Some nice. of my sheep and wool work. So I'm doing some of the wool preparation for that. We'll see how it goes. Other than that, getting ready for the holidays, that's where we are. When are you knitting our shawls? <laughs> After I do all the work for these upcoming articles. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I really, I could do the shawls. Shouldn't you try to fit these in in like the 25th and 26th hour of I the day? I just want to, in the, in the interest of keeping it real here, I just want to say, a lot of people homestead and they like to provide everything, right? Yeah. They don't provide their own clothing. Because <laughs> let me tell you how long it takes to wash wool, spin it, and then weave or knit it into a garment. And dye it. If you want to dye it, right. You'd be looking like a sheep yourself. You'd be wearing all the time. gray, white, gray, white, maybe brown if you're lucky. They're like you see the sheep, and then you see the owner. You'd be like, they really look alike. Right? <laughs> they <might be> wearing <laughs> the 
I do have some brown because of the Jacobs. Oh, yeah. So you get white, you get brown. Yeah. If you mix the two together, you get gray, and that's all you get. Like, which I, one's actually, the sheep? Which one's the person? I actually like the natural colors. Yeah. But if you do want them to die, I can dye them. Pink. Pink? Okay. Like rose color, you know? We can do pink for you. I'd probably do a blue or a green because you know that's how I am going to sport it all the time in the winter down here. Yeah, because it's cold down here. You got to do it in the 25th, 26th Heck, I'm hour I'm doing of the a day. shawl. I'm doing a cape. <laughs> Head to toe like a Snuggie. Well, you need arms in it if you do a Snuggie. A okay. cocoony. <laughs> <laughs> Zip up to my chin. Okay. So, if we could just take a minute to ask everybody a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and loving it, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review, it does the most amazing things for our show. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can head over to our Etsy shop. We have logo mugs and t-shirts available and our t-shirts ship free. You can also visit our Patreon page and check out our levels of membership there. One of them includes a free bonus monthly episode. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of October, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, COFFEE20, for 20% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other offers. If you haven't heard, Grubly Farms has a brand new layer crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein. Perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You cannot go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the September Box, I absolutely love the rooster socks and the can of grasshoppers. It's amazing. I really love the iron trivet. I'm going to use it for all my entertaining, and I've got to keep the girls away from those chick notes for sure. Yeah. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. To receive $5 off, use the code CWTCL at checkout. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. And now it's time for our breed spotlight. Sure is. <laughs> sure is. It's time for the breed spotlight. Oh, and this breed has the distinction of being the only one you've ever stumped me with. There's got to be more than one I've stumped you with. This is the only one you've stumped me with okay, to date. Okay, so everyone just take a, a pause and just go, Woohoo! Oh, yeah! Woohoo! Oh, yeah! I stumped Holly on one breed, and it's our breed spotlight today, and it is the green legged partridge of poland yes it is <laughs> the green legged partridge of poland the green legged partridge is native to poland. poland yes they've been in poland since at least the 19th century so the 1800s yep and there is a 2013 genetic study that was published in the journal of animal genetics and they're suggesting that it may be even older than that this breed is really pretty cool so there was a breed standard written for the green-legged partridge in 1921, and the standard was accepted in 1923 in Poland. Correct. 
According to the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations, the partridge was quite popular in Poland during the early 20th century. But like so many of the heritage breeds, the green-legged partridge did not thrive under industrial conditions. We say this every week. Most of these birds are going through the same pattern. Right. And that's along with the world going through the same pattern. Oh, yeah. You do find this all around the world. It's like industrialism cuts back on mm-hmm. rural America, mm-hmm. rural world. Right. And then all of a sudden somebody says, hey, what's happening? We got to bring this bird back. And right. that happened in the 1970s. The best era ever. The partridge does quite poorly in confinement. They do go broody, which you know doesn't work for industrial settings. Nope. And they don't lay enormous numbers of eggs. All these things are slash marks Mm -hmm. for, hey, we're not going to use these in an industrial setting. And backyard chicken farming coming down because people are just buying eggs at this point. Right. And we're going to talk about the partridges egg laying in just a bit. So to backtrack a little bit, there are two flocks that are maintained in Poland for conservation breeding. Right. And occasionally you can find some small hobby flocks that are in various pockets of Europe. Exactly. This chicken is pretty rare, to be honest with you. The two conservation flocks are maintained at the Polish Institute of Animal Genetics and Breeding and also at the University of Life Sciences in Lublin. Back in 1988, the green-legged partridge was registered with the International Registry of Poultry Genetic Stocks. That's a mouthful. All that means is that there have been people who have preserved the genetics. Right. And this is what happened in the 70s. People step in Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, we need to preserve this. How are we going to do it? And they weren't left with many. Let's just put this out. Right, right. It was a very small number. And the thing is, if you look them up and you look at what they look like, they're really cool looking. Partridge chickens have the same look. Every kind of partridge chicken, it's named that because of the color. (gasps) Right, exactly. So they are very attractive chickens that are partridge colored. And what do they look like? They look like the Wellsummers. Yes. Because the Wellsummers are partridge. It's made of several different partridge breeds, right? Yes. The green-legged partridge is known for that leg color, and it's described as Reseda green. I had to look that up. I had no idea what it was. Right. So Reseda green is a gray-green color. And if you look at the picture, it looks like that. Yeah, it's definitely gray-green. It's different than willow, which is a more common green on chicken legs, and that has a yellowish cast to it. So you have a partridge chicken with green legs. Mm -hmm. It's really cool looking. Mm -hmm. And the roosters are gorgeous. The roosters are really pretty. Interestingly enough, green legs are essentially caused by a bird with pigment that's laid over another color. Yeah, like so as for in instance, everything with the chicken. Right, right. So, for instance, you might have a chicken with yellow legs, and then I'm just making this up, but yeah. you breed it to a chicken with blue legs, and yep. the two pigments combined. What does that sound like? Eggs. Right. They're breeding these different things together to get different mashes. Right. The green legs are essentially one pigment laid over another in the poultry legs. They have a straight comb, which can be on the large size for the roosters. Google it and look at images. Yeah, take a look at them. They're very pretty. They're known as being generally cold hardy. I would say except for that big rooster comb. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they're very tolerant of cold weather. And they lay a white cream colored egg. Yeah. And they do go broody, as we said earlier. They average about three eggs a week, Mm -hmm. which is not great. It's okay. It's average. It's average. Yeah. Their eggs are actually becoming quite popular with Polish consumers who are willing to pay higher prices for them because they're from a heritage breed Mm -hmm. and because they're reputed to taste better and be more healthy and nutritious than commercially produced eggs. Maybe they are more nutritious, maybe they're not, but the reality is people are willing to pay more for them because they're not industrially produced eggs and they're from this heritage breed. Exactly. This is where we are this day and age. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this so many times. Our generation 
Generation X, we went through that whole right. thing mm-hmm. where we were brought up with convenience, convenience, microwave, fast, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think what that does is it spoils a generation on that. And we're kind of like, no, we yeah. want to slow down. Right. We want to go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's have the farming. That's why I always say I'm going to be curious to see what Sophia and Ella do. Right. Like where they will go because we're slowed down and we do everything. Right. Well, I mean, scratch and this and that. Where are they going to take it? Are they going to be like, give me a hot pocket in the microwave? Uh, The first probably 10 or 12. (laughs) Exactly. The first 10 or 12 years of our lives, things weren't amped up as much. No. And then in our teens, you know, you really started to see these big changes. Like you were microwaving your lunch instead of using the stove or the oven. Microwave soft pretzels. Yeah. Uh, Everything that that was so quick, just it was a convenience factor. Mm -hmm. And basically during that time, chickens, backyard farming was kind of put on the back burner and stepped back. This chicken was in Europe where the same thing was happening. Exactly. And now they're like, wow. Yeah. We have this chicken that's native to Poland. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why aren't we using these eggs? Right. So they're bringing them back. It's awesome. So the green-legged partridge was used in the creation of an autosexing breed called the pull bar. Right. We were talking about this earlier. Right. So there was a professor of biology and genetics. Her name is Dr. Laura Kaufman. And she worked during the 1940s and 50s. And she was breeding barred rocks with the green-legged partridge. And the resulting chicks can be sexed due to the females having longer eye stripes than the males. That's a mix between the two. That's not the pure green-legged partridges. That's the mix with the barred rocks. And just as a side note, Dr. Kaufman pioneered research into effects of temperature in developing poultry embryos. So a lot of her research was crucial to the development of our modern incubators. Which is cool. Yeah. So here comes the question. Da-da-da-da-da! Where can we get these chickens? Only in Poland. Some of our European listeners, sometimes you can find hobby flocks here and there, breeders that have them. But in general, Poland. I think we have some listeners in Poland. Yeah, Poland's on our list of listeners. Yeah. So hey, if you're, if you're there, in Poland, thank you for listening. Yes. And it also, send us a picture if you have this chicken. Mm-hmm. We would love to see it. We would love it. They're pretty chickens. Definitely pretty chickens. Right now, we cannot get these chickens. Right, right. But it is a chicken that's out there that's mm-hmm. really different. And I did stomp Holly in. Yes, you did. On this one. Savor that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how often that's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's different. Look it up. I really like the partridge. In our first groups of chickens, we had a pair of partridge cochins. They oh, were wow. just gorgeous. They were beautiful. I'm sure they are. They were Liz and Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Liz and Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah, beautiful chickens. So there you go. Mm-hmm. The green-legged partridge of Poland. Yes. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our main topic. Yeah! Yeah. I got to give this one a little fanfare because it's really lackluster with that. Okay, so people, don't eat your lunch while we're talking about this. Just fair warning. We are using this as our main topic because we have received lots and lots of questions we about have. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to answer some now. And it is... Vent Glee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, don't eat while we talk about yeah, this. Yeah, so Vent Glee comes up a lot. It does. It's hard sometimes for people to know, is this Vent Glee? 
Is this just poop right. stuff? Is this parasites causing this? Right. And to some degree, they all tie together. They definitely all tie mm-hmm. together. Vent gleat can be anything that causes an infection or irritation of the area of the vent. Right. Exactly. So you can have yeast. You can have bacteria. You can have all different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it can cause the skin around that vent to become really angry and horrible. Right. Infected, inflamed, all of those things. It's most common in hens, but it can very rarely occur in roosters. I was curious, so I looked up gleat. Oh, gleat is an old word that is essentially used to describe discharge. Yeah. Literally, vent gleat is vent discharge. Yes. And gleat can be both a noun and a verb, as in to gleat. So you're thinking, well, this doesn't really help me because I know this, it's discharge. But the vent gleat is the act of the stuff sticking on the skin and creating an infection. Exactly. Or in creating an inflammation of that skin. Mm-hmm. Just having poop on the hiney doesn't mean vent gleat. Exactly. People send us a lot of photos of this. We get to see some great photos and videos. And people ask, is this vent gleat? And a lot of time it isn't. It's just a messy butt from soft poop. Exactly. But a messy butt's still worth paying attention to because it's often a sign that conditions can or will develop. If you leave it on there. Exactly. So vent gleat is formally known as cloacitis or an infection of the cloaca. It's most often used to describe yeast infections. So we double and triple check this. And scientifically, it can also be caused by bacteria, fungus other than yeast, parasites, and even protozoa. That really simplifies it. So basically, you know if you have poop on the butt, urates come out as white. Right. People think, oh my goodness, it's vet glee because it's white. Right. It's the urates from the water coming out. Often. And sticking to the butt. The best thing that you can do, number one, to start off is clean the area. Yes. Very, very well. Yeah, because dirty feathers pasted around the vent area can definitely be a sign of vent gleat. It can cause it. Right. It can be several other causes. So keep the hen clean as much as necessary. One of my Brahmas has a sticky problem sometimes. So Poppy always gets some. And so we wash Madeline sometimes a few times a week. Sometimes it's just a function thing. Sometimes chickens won't arch enough to kind of get the right, and off it sticks of them, to the feathers. And it sticks to the mm-hmm. feathers. That sticking on there, if that is kind of soft poo and it sticks to the it skin, pastes on there. That's when you're going to have a problem with right. the irritation. So first of all, if you have somebody that has a vent that needs to be cleaned, clean that first, right, and look down to the skin and see where you are. Yeah. So you talked about the urates. Yeah. But if it is a yeast infection, you'll get some white stuff stuck around the vent. Like you said, keep that hen clean, especially during hot weather because fly strike can be possible then. You've got vent gleat and fly strike and that's a recipe for disaster. The other thing that is always a good idea is if you're seeing that to have a stool sample tested for parasites. Yep. Because that's another thing that can cause that stool to stick to the vent feathers. Mm -hmm. Just take a stool sample, run it to the vets, have them check. Right. Or do a prophylactic deworming. Yes. If you need to. Right. And try to stop it that way before it even gets to that level. So we know that chickens don't do well with stress. And stress is actually listed as a major contributor to vent gleat and a lot of other poultry illnesses as well. Oh, yeah. PoultryDVM.com has a really good section on Venkley that's worth checking out. And I'm just going to read a little quote from them. Cloacitis can be brought on by stress, often associated with egg laying, bowel infection, or even hormone-related uterus issues. 
Stress causes an increase in pH levels, which predisposes chickens to developing infection in the cloaca and nearby organs, including the rectum and uterus. And then when that comes out, it sits on the skin. Exactly. And that's the part that you're seeing. Right. So the dirty feathers that are pasted to the vent area, that's your sign that something's going on internally. Right. And those are the checks that you want to keep doing. Parasites, they're laying eggs mm-hmm. normally. Those types of Digestive things. Digestive issues, too. I mean, oh, feed crop. or crop pH, those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you watch them and say, yeah. okay, what's going on here? Mild cases, you can treat at home. Yeah, you can use over-the-counter products for some of these cases. Madeline had some irritation. I wouldn't call it as bad as Vint Gleep, but I think it could have gotten there untreated. Right. And so we were using over-the-counter yeast cream, clotrimazole, mm-hmm. just to take care of any redness and irritation. It worked really well. But we should note that more severe cases require vet care. Yes, because you're going to have to get a Nystatin. Right. Your head may need a prescription anti-yeast. There's the Nystatin. Mm-hmm. Or even if this is an actual infection with bacteria, you're going to need antibiotics. One of the major things your vet's going to want to do if you take for Ventcleat is to culture it mm-hmm. or to at least do a cytology and look at it under the microscope so they can identify if there's an overgrowth of bacteria or mm-hmm. an overgrowth of yeast. Right. Those treatments are different. Yeast and bacteria are treated by different products. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. If you can't fix this on your own with an over-the-counter yeast medication, it might not be yeast. Right. So it's time to go for that cytology slash culture right. and see what it is. The other thing is limit the stress of the chicken at that point. Also. Yes, absolutely. PoultryDVM.com also has some more suggestions for treating mild cases with over-the-counter products. So I'm going to link to them in the show notes just because it's worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. So the other key with any illness is prevention. Yes, yes, yes. Try to limit stress in your flock. That is huge. We often talk about apple cider vinegar not being a cure-all. But in this case, Apple cider vinegar at one tablespoon per gallon of water once a week can help restore or maintain crop pH. We both use it that way. We do. And that's what we recommend, that you use it one tablespoon per gallon of water, one time per week, no more. Right. Chickens have a natural flora, a natural number of bacteria that they need to have in different places. Right. If you overload them with apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. you can take away and strip some of that and then cause a problem. Yes. I've talked to so many people who have said my hen has diarrhea. And then after asking a couple questions, we find that they're giving apple cider vinegar every day yeah. or three or four times a week. And that's just too much. It's just too much for their system. But this given once a week mm-hmm. with the correct dosage, right. which is one tablespoon per gallon of water, can help prevent something like this from happening. Yeah, it can certainly cut down on some issues. Yeah. That bacteria overgrowth, it can kind of Mm -hmm. naturally take it back a little bit. Right. Another prevention we talked about already, and that's washing poopy butts Mm -hmm. with a very gentle cleanser as often as necessary. Sometimes I don't even use a cleanser. If we can just get it off with warm water, we generally put Madeline in a deep sink. I glove up and use the hand spray. Yeah. And the hot water is enough to get it off. Sometimes we need a very mild detergent. I use a Tupperware container, like a larger one, Mm -hmm. put them in, and then I fill gallons of warm water. Okay. And rinse over uh, the vent pour it over, yeah. Pour it over, let that sit. And I use a very, very mild oatmeal puppy shampoo. Mm -hmm. Because that's usually not going to strip anything away. Right, or cause irritation. I use that on the feathers, and I use gloves, and then I blow dry. Exactly. And then I just keep rinsing. Now, I don't bring them in the house and use them in there, but when it's cold, Mm -hmm. I have to bring them in. Right. 
and, and blow you have dry. to blow dry them before you put them you back can't out. Put them back out wet. Right. So that's the other thing. We're coming into cold temperature. Yeah. If your chicken gets this, they can't be outside with wet feathers. Oh no, no way. And the mm-hmm. other thing is, this happens more during the summer. Yes. It's more stressful with time. It's more stressful. You're apt to get more diarrhea issues, especially mm-hmm. with your flock drinking a lot if it's hot. So all those things can contribute. Using probiotics in your flock's water every few days also goes a long way towards helping with all of these issues. We use Rooster Booster. Mm-hmm. We use Strong Animal Chicken Essentials. Right. They have a chicken elixir that is made up with a bunch of great mm-hmm. things. And you can add that one capful to gallon of water. Right. These things in moderation, given at the proper dosage, will help cut down on any of these things. Right. It seems like a simple thing, but another thing you want to do is make sure your flock's feed is fresh and never moldy. If you're feeding in, say, a great big galvanized feeder, check that food. Yeah. Make sure it hasn't got moisture, hasn't made it get moldy. It rains and it's kind of just a little bit out. We do feed in five-pound galvanized Mm -hmm. feeders. We never fill them all the way up because I'm like... If they spill or something. So every day we put the amount of food that we use for the day in there Mm -hmm. to cut down on that problem. Right. I don't use them. As you know, I use just bowls everywhere and I just put out what I know my flock is going to eat. If there's any leftover, fill it in a bucket, bury it in the compost. We do both. We have to add extra black bowls because we were having... Squabbles over food. Bullying issues, right? So yeah, just look at your food. Make sure it's never moldy because guess what mold is? Yeast. Yeah. So never feed spoiled food. And the other thing is don't overdo the treats. Feed the treats in the afternoon and keep them healthy. Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, black soldier fly larvae, not tons of it. You know, you want your flock to be on their layers or all-flock ration and then a little bit in the afternoon for treats and you're good. Moderation. Right. Everything in moderation. Right. Everything measured the way it should be Mm -hmm. keeps that pH where it needs to be. Exactly. And keeps everything kind of moving through. So to reiterate, let's say we have a poopy event. Mm-hmm. Let's clean it first. Mm-hmm. Then examine the skin. Right. We can take a look at it. Use something over the counter. If it's mild, if it's not mild, it's super like red like fire and tons of discharge. Go to the vets. Yeah. Have them do a cytology or a culture. Here's my question. How many days would you try to treat over the counter before you would take to the vet? I think with a chicken, it's a very short amount of time mm-hmm. because chickens can go downhill very, very quickly. Yes. So I would say if I notice something, I would maybe go a day to two days and mm-hmm. then to the vet. Yeah. Two days is about my limit. Yeah. If it's not improving in two days, it's time for someone to check exactly. it out for me. So, and Dr. Rebecca, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I've learned through many years of doing this, that you will spend more by experimenting with over-the-counter. Right, throwing money at all kinds of over-the-counter things and hope that they make some improvement. But a vet could give you a prescription and they're on the road to recovery quickly. Right, or going online and spending hours on forums looking what somebody else has done. Mm -hmm. And then you've wasted half a day and 50 bucks on medicine that's not going to work. Well, I mean, part of it, like, if you go online, as we've all done, yeah, the number one thing you're going to see is that Venkleet is yeast. And yeah. it is not always yeast. It can be a bacterial infection on the skin. It can. So having a vet take a look, do a cytology, make sure, mm-hmm. hey, it is yeast or it's bacteria, getting the proper medication. Right. And that can make your problem so much easier to solve. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, like we said, a day or two treatment at home. If it's not better, move on. We will have links to vet finders. We'll have a link to poultry DVM. Yeah. And if you're having trouble finding a vet in your area, call us and we'll do our best. Yeah, You might have us. to drive a bit. In some areas of the country, we found vets for people and they did have to drive a bit. 
Yeah. But we will do our best to help you find a vet. We have been helping a lot of people find veterinarians for their chickens. So if you have any trouble, message us, send us a DM on Instagram, and we'll see if we can help you. We have different ways that we can help you find a vet. So just let us know. We will be happy to help. If you want to eat, you can start eating now. (laughs) And now. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time to move on to. Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. We're keeping with our theme. Yeah, we're staying in Poland. We like to do these things. Mm -hmm. So we thought it would be really fun to offer our version of Polish egg salad. Yay. Yeah, at first we were like, what? What's the difference? But there are a couple different quirks. And they don't call it salad. They call it spread. Yes, it's often called spread. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to attempt to say this in Polish. We're just going <laughs> to call this. I think you should. I no, think you should. We know. That would be great. <laughs> yes, it would. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Polish egg salad. So the couple of differences from our classic egg salad here. We all use the hard-boiled eggs, but Polish egg salad uses cream cheese, butter, and onion instead of mayonnaise. Okay. The other interesting little thing we learned is that this version of egg salad in Poland is never served between two slices of bread. It's always an open-faced sandwich. It's a spread. It's a spread. There you go. Egg <laughs> it spread. says it right there in the name. It's yes. a spread. Now, we changed things up a little bit because yes, of the seriously strong taste of raw onion. <laughs> we used generous amounts of freshly snipped chives. But my mom would like the heaping amounts of raw onions in there. Holy moly, moly, moly. My mom loves some onions. You could probably cook them a little bit to take the edge off. You could probably also use green onions. When I use raw onions and stuff, Joe goes huge, right? Really? I, if I'm making a salad, I pick the small little onion. Yeah. And I try to make it in as small pieces as I can. I think that's the key. You have got to just mince it. A little bit because you mm-hmm. don't want to bite into a big chunk of onion. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. And often, if we're having these lunches together, I don't want you to have big chunks of raw <laughs> onion either. <laughs> <laughs> An egg salad or egg spread is one of our things we eat for lunch. Yeah, we really do eat a lot of eggs. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so the chives give it that onion flavor without being overwhelming. And it looks pretty, the little yeah. chives in there. So we used tofuti dairy-free cream cheese and earth balance dairy-free butter. And of course, you can use real dairy instead. These were just our gluten and dairy-free substitutions for me. So it's pretty easy. You start with four to six hard-boiled eggs, however many eggs you want to go with. Usually the recipes we found, the traditional recipes were about four eggs. We up to the six. I always up my eggs on these recipes. I do too. I do too. I don't know if it's because I like it more eggy. I just always up them. It never seems like quite enough. Mm Mm-hmm. So set out your cream cheese and butter for an hour or two to let them come to room temperature. Can you imagine if you didn't and no. the cream cheese? No, no. <laughs> like, seriously. Well, actually, I made a note here. Some of the dairy-free cream cheeses are pretty thick. So you may want to use a little less cream cheese and maybe add a little bit of mayonnaise or like a squirt of lemon juice to give it a tang. Mix mm-hmm. it up a little easier that way. Well, regardless, if you're using dairy or non-dairy, you want like a medium-sized bowl. Mash the cream cheese and butter together with a fork. Make them nice and creamy. Then you're going to add your chopped eggs, your chives, or onion if you're adventuresome. Or both. Yeah, you could. And your salt and pepper, any other spices you want to put in there. Mash it all together till it's a nice, thick consistency and spread it on your toast. Do not put two pieces of bread together. No, it's got to be spread. Open-faced sandwich only. It does differ. We've talked about the egg salad that I make mm-hmm. before. That was my mom's recipe that she's made. It definitely is different. It is. Actually, I want to eat this on a bagel. This would be really good on a breakfast bagel. It would. When you think about it, the eggs and the cream cheese together, yeah. it's a perfect way to eat it. 
But it's really a yummy thing, and it's a Polish recipe. It is. Mm -hmm. Using eggs, and that's what we so wanted you to do. eggs from the green-legged partridge. You really do. Would you have this chicken in your flock? I would. I would, too. Probably because it reminds me of Gertie. The partridge, yeah. We yeah. both love the partridge feathers. They're beautiful. And once Gertie hits my heart, like everything partridge, I'm like, oh, I'm not saying Gertie. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a cute little chicken, and I'm all for a case of let's save this chicken. Yeah. The roos are handsome, and... I didn't see much wrong with it. And you can make Polish egg spread with it. That's right. Now, I it's really, not with the chicken, with the eggs. Right? Every time we do this, it's right before a meal. <laughs> We're recording right before a meal, and then I'm hungry. Now I want Polish egg spread on a bagel. I know. Like, oh, maybe egg salad for dinner. Sounds egg good. Spread. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for retail therapy this week, we have a treat for everybody. We interviewed Rachel Josen, who is with Brincy, mm -hmm. and we're going to have her on and talk about Brincy's products, a little bit of the history of Brincy, and bring you more about it. Yeah, a quick little chat. She's going to tell us what upcoming exciting stuff Brincy has going on. Yes, so enjoy. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing good. How are you? Doing great. We're great. We're really excited to have you with us. We are big fans of the Brincy products. We actually used an incubator for the first time this past summer, and it was just an amazing experience. So we wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about Brinzi's products. Can you start off, though, telling us a little bit about the history of the company? Sure, yeah. It was started over in England in the 70s, actually, by Frank Pierce. He was an engineer who worked on a farm, and he, he wanted to hatch geese. And he used whatever incubator was available back then. There weren't a lot of options, and it just it didn't work for him. I don't think anything even hatched. And so he decided that he was going to make his own incubator and it worked. And a lot of other farmers around him decided that they wanted what he was using because it was a lot better than what was available. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of how it started. It's branched out to where we now employ 50 people. We're distributing all over the world and it's still a family business. Frank's oldest son, Ian, still runs the business over in England. Wonderful. Okay, so it sounds like it was brought about by me. So whatever he was using at that point wasn't working well for him. It wasn't giving him the hatch rate that he wanted. So what is it about the Brincy incubators that's giving everyone such great success? It's really hard to create an environment that's similar to a broody hen, which is why a lot of people want to stick with broody hens. And if that works, you know, that's great. But for incubators, we do actually sell contact incubators. Those would probably simulate that environment the best, but those are really more for conservation of rare species. They're much larger incubators. A lot of people get them for like falcons and things like that. So if your temperature control is accurate, if you have good humidity with ventilation, and if your turning is good, then you're going to have good results. And I think that's the problem with a lot of the other incubator brands out there is the temperature control is usually not that great. So there's fluctuation, and then that causes a lot of problems. That causes the hatch rate to be so much lower. And Brincy's yeah. mastered getting that temperature to stay exactly where it needs throughout the whole process turning the eggs and the humidity, which is huge. We know without the humidity in the incubator, these little guys can't hatch out of there. They need it to come out of the shell. Okay. So I wanted to ask a question about the brooder plates, which we love. We both use them this winter or this early spring with our little chickies. What's behind those EcoGlow brooders? What can you tell us about them? Because they work fantastically. So those really, it was trying to copy the way a broody hen broods her chicks. So it's a more natural way of brooding them because, you know, they like to nestle under for warmth instead of there just being like a light there, you know, where that it might be harder for them to get away from it. 
So designing a product where they can do that was really important because chicks are attracted to the warm, dark surface. And so we also wanted something that wasn't going to overheat them because I don't know if you are aware, you know, if chicks get overheated when they're brooding, that's where pasty butt comes from. That's where a lot of people Mm -hmm. have that problem. And then also there not being a light is really important because then the chicks can adapt to day and night and they get used to being outdoors really is what the point is. You don't get that with a heating lamp or something like that. Another thing is just a product that's safer. The power consumption is a lot lower. And so the fire risk is a lot lower. So you're going to spend less money having the brooder plugged in, which was important. And then also you hear about it all the time, the heating lamps catching on fire or burning out or, you know, something like that. And that really is not going to happen with the eco glows. Yeah, it's a really, really good product. It is definitely bringing safety up in the brooder. A lot of people bring their brooders indoors. The EcoGlobe, it's less of a fire risk in the home. So it really serves a good purpose. It gives them just enough and it comes in different sizes, correct? Mm-hmm. It's also extremely energy efficient. It's designed to be used in the home. We actually recommend using it indoors rather than outside because it is radiant heat. If there are large temperature fluctuations, if the temperature goes too low, then it isn't going to be able to heat enough. So we do recommend using that indoors. That's exactly what we've been telling our listeners that have been coming back to us and having questions about it is it is to go in conjunction with the brooder being in the house at a nice warm temperature of about 68 to 72 degrees. Mm -hmm. And that assimilates the broody mom and it gives them that perfect temperature. Now, if they're outside in, say, a not heated garage, a barn, it may not give them quite enough, but just be aware of those different things. Mm -hmm. So we had a great experience this summer hatching using the Maxi 2EX incubator. The humidity control was amazing. It was really like set it and forget it. I mean, I was checking it like 10 times a day, but it gave me enormous peace of mind just to know that my eggs were at the proper humidity. And we ended up having a great hatch rate. So besides the Maxi 2EX, which of your products do you recommend for backyard chicken keepers who want to get into hatching? Definitely any of the mini or maxi incubators. The mini maxi advanced incubators, they don't have the automatic humidity control, but those are nice because they do have the day countdown. So Mm -hmm. when the turning needs to shut off, it will automatically shut that off for you. And the EXs don't actually have that. So if you want the humidity control, the EX is a good choice. Some places like we're in Florida and we really don't have to even add water to our incubators to hatch. Like the humidity is ridiculous. So if you don't care as much about the humidity, then the advances are great because then they do the day countdown and everything. Other than that, you know, obviously we recommend the EcoGlow brooders for brooding the chicks once they hatch. And then we also sell the chick safe automatic coop door openers. So if you're keeping the chicks and you want that peace of mind of the automatic opening and closing, those are a great option too. Nice. Yeah, definitely. So what is on the horizon for Rinsey US? We do have some exciting stuff where we really work hard on product development and always keeping things as new and relevant and useful as possible. So right now, something that I think a lot of customers will be happy about is we're launching new egg inserts for the maxi incubators. Because right now we have the chicken egg size and then like smaller like quail. We're launching something for different size eggs like duck and larger eggs and things like that. So a little more flexibility with that. So you don't have to hand turn those larger eggs. 
And then something that I'm super excited about is in 2022, we're hoping we're going to be launching some internet connectivity with some of our incubators for watching the humidity and the temperature and things like that on your phone. Nice. Oh, wow. So you That's can just fantastic. connect to them like via Bluetooth. And yeah. you, if you're away, you can then uh, adjust it if you're not at the house. You or, can log in and check the levels. Yeah. And, oh, that's or a little mm-hmm. cam would be cool, too. A camera? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put Watch that a little, little webcam in the... <laughs> yeah, the little tiny webcam. That would be so cute. It would be fantastic, especially oh, for my God. folks that have to go back to work. I mean, we all got used to working from home. You know, mm-hmm. you could check your incubator 10 times a day if you wanted to, but that's fantastic for folks who can't be right there every minute. Yeah, especially on like catch day and you want to make sure the humidity is just perfect mm-hmm. for everything. So, Rachel, where should we tell our listeners to look for updates on the new Brinzy products that will be coming out? So we are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. But if you go on our website, that's just www.brinzy.com. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We only send it out once a month, so you're not going to get spammed with anything. And we're definitely going to be announcing things in there. And, you know, there's other stuff like coupon codes and stuff that go in those emails. So that would probably be the best place, but, you know, also on social media. Fantastic. Okay. I will put a link to your website in our show notes. If people can't remember the URL, you can head over there and sign up for the newsletter. That's fantastic. And we just want to thank Rachel for taking the time out today to come over and talk to us about the products. We love them. We just wanted to explain them a little bit better to everybody else. You're going to love them too. Everyone listening, go over to Brincy and check out these products. The brooder plates, the incubators, it can be a way to go if you don't have a broody hen for sure. Thank you, Rachel. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye. We just want to say thank you again to Rachel for coming on and talking to us about Brinzy. Mm-hmm. We love their products. They're amazing. Yeah, we're big fans of Brinzy products. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? All right, next week we're staying in Europe. We're going to profile a pretty little chicken called the Brackle. The Brackle chicken. This was a good one. Ventgleed has inspired us. <laughs> so <laughs> our main topic next week is the chicken digestive system. Yay! Mm-hmm. Our recipe. Oh, it's another Chrissy recipe <laughs> since we're, we're gearing up for Thanksgiving. It's your sweet potato casserole. And it's really, really good. The kids love it. And then we have another treat for retail therapy. We're going to interview Anne-Marie of Knitted Chickens. This is somebody we've been wanting to talk to for a long time. Since last year. Mm -hmm. And we love her stuff. It's amazing. So what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.